Hello and welcome to Wine, Women, and Westeros, a offshoot of the Cast of Thrones podcast. I am here with two of my BFF lady friends. First is Betsy Cohen. Oh, hey guys. And Annie Bickerton. Hello. And I'm Jennifer Cheek. You guys know me from the regular podcast. And yeah, we're here for our fourth episode of Wine, Women, and Westeros, ramping up for season three. Holla. So excited. It feels like it's been, well, just like months and months. When did we record this last? Before we moved. It was so long ago. July. Like, July. Yeah. And it is almost April now, so that's like basically a year ago. Which is coincidentally about how long ago uh, Game of Thrones Season 2 started. So. Coincidentally. I know. It's Good been, timing, I guess. It's been a long, yeah. cold, non-Westerosi winter. Yeah. And, you know, guys, you know how excited I am to be relevant again? It's going to be really happy. <laughs> You're always relevant to me. <laughs> oh, thanks. Come on, when I'm is the Game of Thrones not relevant? That's what I want to know. That's a good point. It's re- relevant in my heart, like, all the time because I'm a crazy person. But, you know, maybe normal people aren't always thinking about Game of Thrones things. Maybe. Um, huh. So, basically, we... I don't want to say we, because this this podcast is actually Betsy's idea, because Betsy and I were chatting on Gchat during the day at work like we do, because we're bad and like to not do work at work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Let's not admit was, that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hope, I really hope my employer doesn't listen to this podcast, because I might get fired for like many other reasons <laughs> if that happens. I don't think so. Um, I'm just saying <laughs> I'm a grad student, and I've never, ever done any non-related work things at my job. <clears throat> <laughs> Never. Never. Mm-mm. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I don't ever look at the the Facebook at work. <laughs> Never. Sometimes I even look at Dungeons and Dragons things at work, which is like so embarrassing that I do that ever. That Let's is not embarrassing. About it. Let's forget I mentioned that. You should feel. <laughs> what did you but say, anyway. Jennifer? I'm sorry. I don't think me or the audience heard you. <laughs> I I said I looked at Dungeons and Dragon things at work. <laughs> I'm a loser. Oh my god. <laughs> oh um, man. Anyways, so a while back, um, there was a whole kerfuffle with Taylor Swift and Amy Poehler and, um, oh my god. Tina Fey. Can I just tell Tina the story? Tina Fey. <laughs> yeah, please, you, let, let's let Betsy, it's so, her thing. Proceed, Taylor Betsy. Swift is a big dumb, dumb butt, not because <laughs> of all the reasons people often say that. Her music is whatever, and her dating life is whatever. I don't care. Yeah, don't like, that. don't like act like we have not all oh, I love Taylor it. Swift song and danced like, no one was watching while listening to Taylor Swift. There are so have- many times that I will never, ever get back together with anyone. I love it. She's great. <laughs> but she's a big dumb dumb butt who could really use a women's studies class. Because oh, God. she took it upon Send that girl to college. She got to get a liberal arts education. Girl, <laughs> really no. bad. She just needs some gender studies stuff. Um, yeah. And she said in a fancy magazine article, I think Vanity Fair, in response to some very benign joke that Tina Fey and Amy Poehler made about her at the Emmys that there she attributed it to Katie Couric which is wrong it's a Madeleine Albright quote um, but the quote is there's a special place in hell for women who don't help other women um, which is a great quote even if she used it terribly because I think that Amy Poehler and Tina Fey have done enormous things to help other women and are incredible feminist icons uh, and yeah. I could talk for an entire podcast about why they're both so great but I won't and why um, Taylor Swift isn't hello yes. Taylor Swift does not help other women the same I was way. just like, she I'm sorry can bad sidebar music for like about hating her ex-boyfriends like it, yeah how inspiring was, to women I was just thinking about that stupid song where she's all like uh, she wears high heels and I wear sneakers. That's the most I'm like, one. oh my god, stop it! Like, let's not 
hate each other for the things we wear, okay? Yeah. That's hating other women. Stop it, it is. Taylor. She does. Anyway, I get real. Too, I get too angry about everything. So yeah. she you got you got exactly the right amount of angry. I was living <laughs> for like a week. I'm a little bit over it right now because really the problem is that Taylor Swift didn't even go to high school, let alone college. She just doesn't know any better. And she Wait, did she really not go to high school? No, she was like she's been famous since she was like 16. Oh, Taylor so Swift. like she has no idea, and she probably means well, and she just needs to learn. And I hope she finds a way to learn. And I hope that we all realize Amy Poehler and Tina Fey are incredible women who have incredible careers, and we should all try to be them when we grow up. Let's tie this yes. back to the Game of Thrones. So <laughs> the reason I got all excited about that, and I was like, well, you know what we haven't actually talked about in Women, Wine, and Restaurants, and we were kind of trying to figure out maybe doing another episode before season three starts was how these women relate to each other. We've talked about them like in the realm of power of men, but not whether or not they help or hinder each other, and by our own modern conception, whether or not any of these women are actually feminists mm-hmm. um, oh, man. by yeah. that kind of thought process. So, And there are a lot of women who help other women because they are close to those women. There are a lot of women that openly hurt other women in, in Westeros. And there are, are a couple instances that I just thought of recently where women take it upon themselves to help women they don't even know mm-hmm. um, just because there are other women and they share a common plight. Um, so this would be a really good opportunity for us to talk about like how women are operating within their own system in Westeros and either helping or hindering each other. Um, yes. And I think this is really interesting for, I don't know, I guess this is like almost a meta thing, but I never even, like, considered to think about, oh, let's talk about, like, just the women of Westeros, like, interacting with each other. Yeah. I I feel like that's almost, like, some sort of, like, weird patriarchal bullshit in my brain that that Mm -hmm. never even occurred to me to even think about that. And so when Betsy said it, I was like, oh, my God, yes, this, this, like, this needs to be talked about, and there's tons and tons of stuff to talk about, so. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we spent a lot of time comparing them into each other and saying, oh, they're like this for that reason, or they're like that for that reason. Yeah. And very little about, like, how they actually interact with one another and what they do for one another. So, And, like, I try to think of myself as a lady-oriented lady in that, like, mm-hmm. I actively seek out female friendships and, you know, I, I try not to be that, like, I don't know, I'm one of the cool girls, I only hang out with boys, blah, or whatever. So, I don't know, I feel like this is, like, such a perfect, perfect topic for us to talk about, yes. us three ladies. Yeah, it's, it is perfect. I think that's... Um, yeah, I think that's a great point that it's part of the whole problem that we don't think about yeah. how we're relating to each other as much as how we're relating to men or... Yeah. Yeah. Or, like, within the, like, structure of the world that is, you know, misogynist and patriarchal or whatever. Yeah. Um, let's just, like, kind of not take ourselves out of it, but just look at this subset of it for yeah. a second. So let's start with women who are friends with each other. Yeah. That's important. That yeah. is important. Um, I always want to start with Daenerys because she sits in her own little universe. Yeah, she's like uh, literally sea. on another yeah. continent. She's the most isolated. <laughs> yes. Easier place to start. Um, and Daenerys in the second season spent most of her time among all men. Yeah, um, she does have her handmaidens, but yeah. you know, really in the second season, they don't do a whole lot. They actually like get pretty minor and also... Get also straight up murdered. Straight up murdered, <laughs> which is not in the book, if I remember correctly. But it is not in the book. Yeah, yeah that 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 is an interesting choice in and of itself. I think. The, yeah. The, because I really enjoyed like Daenerys' friendship 
with her handmaid which granted mm-hmm. you, you can say like it is a friendship but it's also kind of weird because they are like her handmaiden so you know, she's in a position of power but i still think that she is friends with them so the fact that the show made the decision to be like we're gonna take away all of her female friends yes <laughs> by killing them so there's is i don't know there's a couple things that sort of stood out to me with her the first of which is that the handmaidens so she comes into the kalasar and She's in a position of power, but she has no idea how or why or how to use it. Is Timmy home? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. That's my that's my husband behind me, and he he can't come to the girl party. Get out of here, boy. <laughs> Are you guys recording? Yes. Yep. 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 You're messing it up. All right. <laughs> I mean, I could have ignored him, but I just didn't want to. Yeah. Sorry. Um. <laughs> but. What they're saying. Oh, so, but at the beginning, the way Daenerys gets her empowerment is through her handmaidens. They're the ones mm-hmm. who keep calling her Khaleesi and telling her that it's yeah. important and telling her she's important until she realizes it for herself. So that's a really interesting power sort of exchange. And then once oh, yeah. she sort of understands that and takes it upon herself, she goes out and oh, and time and time again, tries to help other women she doesn't know and has no relationship with, tries to stop them from being raped, because as a woman, she realizes that's wrong. Yes. Um, and, and the thing that's interesting about Daenerys, too, is that, you know, Daenerys is good just in and of herself. Like, she mm-hmm. was never taught to be good. She was yeah. never taught to, like, to treat other women well, because mm-hmm. she essentially she- grew up with her crazy brother uh, Viserys mm-hmm. to raise her and he's an asshole or he was an asshole before he died as he deserved to die. Um, mm-hmm. So this is like, I don't know, it's interesting to me like with the concept of like is misogyny taught or whatever, like is is the natural state to be like I should be nice to other women? I don't know. Well, I, think I don't know what Daenerys is about that. Being a protagonist and being so unique and special in the in the books and in the show is that she really does treat people humanely and especially yes. women because yeah. they're not they don't really have a much value in most of the of society in mm-hmm. the game of thrones so the fact that she still cares about them is what makes her so sympathetic i think yeah it makes her a, like a good ruler that's and that's really what she is most concerned with you know um she knows that her brother Rhaegar would have been a good king and she knows that Viserys would have been a terrible king and her whole thing is I want to be a good ruler like my brother you know my brother Rhaegar would have been mm-hmm. and I think like you said a huge part of that is treating people who are not in a high place in society well mm-hmm. even though she doesn't even have to right because she's real she's in charge <laughs> right but she also like I mean once she is the moment she's in a position of privilege and power and she understands it she then uses it to empower other women who yes. are really, really, really marginalized. Even if it doesn't actually work <laughs> out for her very well. No. Um, not but always, the difference but with that is, right is like, if you look at Asha Greyjoy, who's also leading a team of men, she's yes. not stopping any of them from raping and pillaging. Like, you, no, not that they talk not. about that, but she, of course, is not going to stop one of her crew from raping. But Daenerys tries to, and I don't know. Well, I think Asha Greyjoy is sort of has. She's like the most ma- one of the most masculine female characters. So mm-hmm. yeah, her, her and like maybe Brienne. Yeah, her disinterest in women is because she identifies with being like a man to be in power. So I think and like, she was raised as a son essentially yeah. Yeah. by Balon because all of the other Greyjoy sons were dead or or you know at what 
um, Winterfell with Ned. So again, that kind of brings up the whole concept is like misogyny learned or is inherent and like yeah. it kind of seems like Asha Greyjoy learned that. Um, yeah. I mean, and now I'm sad sure. because I love Asha Greyjoy is definitely one of my favorite characters and now I'm sad because I I'm not <laughs> I sure Asha Greyjoy is a misogynist. She definitely doesn't stop the patriarchy from happening. Yeah. But I also don't think her position of power is quite as much as Danny's or as quite as Danny that's, understands that's hers to be. And honestly you don't really see like I mean, I'm sure that Asha Greyjoy does interact with females at some point, but I like you really don't see her ever interact with women. No, nope. no, and it definitely not up in through season two. Oh, I kind of forgot to put a disclaimer at the front of this. We are only going to be talking about stuff up through season two. No spoilers past that. Annie is like just now getting in season three. I mean, not season three, book three. Yeah. So we like not only will we not, we can't. Three. <laughs> yeah. yeah, on Sunday. Woo. So, um, yeah, so no spoilers past season two for us yeah. tonight. Yeah. Um, but the interesting thing, too, you just mentioned that, like, Asha is really masculine, so she doesn't have the same, maybe, empathy for other women or the same, mm-hmm. um, any sort of, like, a desire to attach to other women. Um, but Brienne is also incredibly masculine. Yeah. And Brienne, I, I want to talk about her relationship with Catelyn, but I also, like, that scene where she... I think it's at the end of season two where the two the, where she stabs the guy in the groin and yeah. says two clean deaths. She's avenging the wrong done to the women yeah. that she doesn't even know and has no attachment to. Yeah, be, just because she empathizes with them and she yeah. is she sees herself in them and she's doing justice for them because she also is a woman. And I think Brienne just has such an intense, like, sense of right and wrong. Yes. Um, she's this extremely just character in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she just can't... I, I, I wonder, like, that scene, would she have done the same thing if those men had done something terrible to a man? Like, is it? do you think that scene is fueled by the fact that the men mistreated women? Or is so. it just because Brienne is like, this is wrong. These people, this men, like, distri- you know, mistreated someone. Well, in some ways, I, I think know. it's, like, um, about the sense of maybe, like, ethical purity that a lot of the women in the show represent. They haven't done the kinds of things that men do, which are sort of mm-hmm. a lot of the times the war and violence and yeah. evil associated with that is a masculine thing. And that um, for her to be that good is about her not doing some of the things that you know, other knights or things would, would do. And the fact that mm-hmm. her ethical standard is like, this is what, this is something I would never do because of who I am is, um, it has a lot to do with her being a woman, not being a knight or whatever. Yeah. That's um, actually, that's a really interesting point. I think that, so that because the women in Westeros are not in combat, they're not, I don't know, they're not in this gray area as much of like doing, evil things in the battlefield but for a good cause or like anything like like there's not involved most of them with that at all the other side of that coin also is that like would brienne have done the same if it was three men maybe but why would those why would that guy torture or rape or draw out the death of the third person if it was a man like, the idea yeah. that, like, he would have, like, they wouldn't bother because there's no, like, sexual power exchange going on that's, yeah. it wouldn't be, th- I mean, maybe if he was a bit of a sociopath, but, like, yeah. a your general, like, reasonably mentally healthy 
soldier or warrior or whoever is going to draw out the death of a woman because it's going to be sexually exciting to him the way he wouldn't for a man. Yeah. yeah. So what do we think you know? about her relationship to Catelyn? It's really cute. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think that Catelyn and Brienne's relationship is, is definitely, like, one of the most, I don't know, inspiring, empowering, like, female-female relationships in the series. I mean, it... Catelyn, you know saves Brienne, and Brienne's like, alright, like, you have my complete devotion now. Um, I mean, the whole, like, just to, like, review what had happened with them, so, Catelyn and Brienne are alone with Brinley when Rinley is killed by the Shadow Baby. Everyone thinks that Brienne did it, because <laughs> she's there with the sword, or that Catelyn had something to do with it, too, when, but Catelyn's like, Brienne, like, you've got to leave, like, you've got to get out of here, uh, and they run away. So, Catelyn essentially, like, snapped Brienne out of, you know, freaking out and got her away and saved her life. So, now, Brienne's like, because I love Renly and you're gonna, your son now is gonna get, you know, justice for the person I love, now I'm with you. And she's gonna help Catelyn get her children back. Well, get, you know, Sansa and Arya back. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, and Catelyn says, like, you'll always have a place at my table, you'll always have a space in my home. It's not just, like, Brienne pledges her loyalty to avenge Renly because Catelyn is in a position of power that is helpful mm-hmm. to her. It's also, like, a really deep-seated loyalty that they've yeah. established with each other and a personal friendship that this pact entails. Like, mm-hmm. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to go be a warrior in your name. It's like, no, I'm going to be by your side. I'm going to be, you know, the sword you don't carry for yourself. Yeah. So. And, and I think that, and I don't know, it's interesting because I was, I would call Kat, both Catelyn and Brienne very strong mm-hmm. female characters, but even Brienne talks about how Catelyn is strong in a different way. Mm-hmm. She's like, you have a certain a womanly strength. strength. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is actually super interesting because it's like, well, Brienne, you're also a woman. <laughs> you have her, a woman's strength. Her but strength it, but it is, is masculine, though. You know? Yeah. It's, uh, it's considered masculine in this, you know, in this world and yeah. in, mm-hmm. in many worlds, <laughs> in our own world, that is considered masculine. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of funny because they they both are alike in a lot of ways because they're both, I think, both Brienne and Catelyn um, are very honorable people. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a sense of justice, so I think they understand each other. And that's that's yeah. why Brienne, I think, feels so okay with making this vow to her. I mean, and I think Brienne takes the vow extremely seriously. Absolutely. I mean, she spends the next, I don't even want to say how long, you know, doing yeah. doing work for Catelyn, doing what Catelyn needs. It just seems like, in general, they have a lot of trust that normally you would have to build a lot slower. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it is like a very quick thing, too. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, it's a very quick trust, and but like in a sort of kindred spirit sort of way. It's like, I get yeah. you, and I like yeah. you, you know? Exactly. Know, it's interesting. Um, do we want to talk about Catelyn and other people? Um, sorry, I don't want to look up. Yeah. Um, I mean, Catelyn and the girls are yeah. kind of just logical. She's a mother. Their relationship <laughs> but she does have different interactions with Sansa than with Arya mm-hmm. because, you know, Catelyn is, like, very, like, traditionally feminine in many ways mm-hmm. um, as far as the world of Westeros goes. And so Sansa, she, you know, she was her first daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sansa's very traditionally feminine. And I, I feel like Catelyn, they get each other. Whereas 
Arya is so different. Like, she's wild and she's like, she's such a little boy. Like, she's not like a girl. And of course, Catelyn loves both of them. But I, it seems to me, like, my impression from reading and from watching the show is that Catelyn had a lot easier time, you know, relating to Sansa yeah. than to Arya. Yeah, I think one thing you definitely notice in the books, maybe more than the show, is Catelyn's sort of tension over, like, the sense of duty she's had as a woman and the way she's had to mm-hmm. make sacrifices in her life and sort of her expectation that this is what you do as a woman. Mm-hmm. And the fact that um, Sansa is doing more of that, like, it's, yeah. they have more to relate to each other based on that. You know, yeah. marrying someone you don't necessarily want to marry and being willing to make decisions sort of out of loyalty. Whereas mm-hmm. Arya is, like, really sort of her own person. And, like, that rebellion is not necessarily reflective of Catelyn's sense of duty as a woman. In a completely hypothetical world, if the events of Game of Thrones had not happened and, you know, the people in Winterfell had continued to live their lives as normal without terrible wars and, you know, Ned dying and stuff, like, I wonder if there would have been any weirdness with... Catelyn and Arya because Sansa was like, yeah, mom, I'm going to basically be just like you. And Arya is like, ugh, gross. I don't want to live like you at all. Yeah. And, like, would Catelyn have had any weird... I mean, because that's just, like, a, a, a thing that happens, like, with parents. Like, if you're like, hey, mom or dad, I don't want to do that thing you did, then they're kind of, you know, they get hurt by it. And, like, what? Why Why are you judging me in the way I live my life? Like, I kind of feel like that could have been set up for that sort of interaction with them, except for everything... Went to hell. Yeah. <laughs> and they did not really get to interact. Though I feel like, I mean, if, like, let's say we pick up from, like, when the girls are going down to King's Landing or whatever, um, you know, I mean, Sansa wanted to live a life of a storybook, which is not what, what um, Catelyn's life was, really. I mean, she wanted to be mm-hmm. a princess. She wanted more. She wanted more than, you know marrying some lord at Winterfell and being outside of everything. So yeah. even if it was, yes, I want to get married and be a mother, it's still different than what Kat did. It's still a different kind of ambition. And I think mm-hmm. that it might have been difficult when those choices were being made. But I I kind of feel like Catelyn would probably respect and, and, and appreciate Arya more once the dust settled, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes sense. sense. Yeah. Like, like maybe it's that, that both Arya and Sansa do not understand Catelyn's life, life at all. all. Yeah. In yeah. that Arya's like, this, this is totally stupid, stupid and I hate it. it. And Sansa's like, everything is sunshine and rainbows. And Catelyn would probably be like, nah, you are both super wrong. This yeah. is not how it is. Yeah. That's what it's like when you're a teenage girl. You don't know things. Yeah. Well, I think one of yeah. my one of my favorite women relationships in the show is their sibling relationship because it just brings so I feel like all of the feminist questions of the Game of Thrones can be captured in their sister relationship just because of the oh yeah of what Arya stands for versus what Sansa stands for and it seems like Sansa really stands for the weakness of femininity the weakness of women like the, the sort of the unre- unrealistic um identity I don't know it's like to me mm-hmm. she's sort of like why why we can throw women aside in that society is because that's what her head is filled with is these like little fantasies about, you know, being yeah. in this fairy tale. And then Arya sort of, you know, is the, the other, I don't know, the reason she's someone who's an outcast is because she doesn't want to be like that. So it's the, like the tension mm-hmm. between them, I find the most, some of the most interesting in terms of women relating to other women. And, and I think that, you know, a lot of, people when they read 
Game of Thrones or watch the show are like, yeah, Arya's awesome and I hate Sansa. Oh, Sansa sucks so much. And, I mean, that's exactly how I was when I first read it. But that's really not fair either because, I mean, I don't know. Just because Arya's like, I hate everything that's woman-related does not make her cool. Well, in some ways, (laughs) Arya gets to escape so much of the suffering of women because of her defying that. And Sansa, meanwhile, goes through so much awful stuff. The whole, you know, all Mm -hmm. of the books, all of the seasons, like, she's the one who's almost raped. She's, you know, like, everything bad that happens to women. Yeah, you know, to someone who, like, supposedly should be this little untouchable flower is, like, she's really the one suffering some of the worst um, sort of powerlessness and... yeah. You know, she's totally manipulated the whole time. And I just wonder, you know, whenever the two sisters are back together, I feel like, you know, when they do get back together, it will be with They a, do? Hey, I'm missing... I'm saying if they do, if they if. get back together, we don't know at the end of season two we what's going to happen. Um, never, ever, I would hope... Getting back together, we... Sorry. <laughs> no, Taylor, get out of our podcast. What are you doing here? I opened more wine while I sang that, so I feel like it's okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> but I would hope they would have a lot more understanding from one another after having gone through some real-life shit. Because, let's be real, like, in Winterfell, they were both protected from a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Like, Sansa had her fairy tales, Arya had her, I'm gonna be, like, sword person, like, hang out with the boys and be super stinky and dirty. Like, that's not real life for either one of them. Well, except for Arya does continue to be stinky and dirty for, mm-hmm. <laughs> for a while. <laughs> so she does get to do that. She gets her dirty on, for sure. I mean, Arya becomes yeah. so... She The fact that... I think... I don't think this is spoiling, right? This happens in the end of book two. Like... She's killing people. She's super violent. She's she's doing most things better than the boys her age are doing, like with such little fear. And she's Mm -hmm. saving her own life in a way that other people would not be able to save their own lives. As yeah, as just even like grown up people. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really excited to hopefully see her and Sansa reunite at some point. Speaking, I feel like they'll have lots of hugs and words for each other. I hope so. Yeah. Um, I feel like there might be a lot of resentment there, more than we would yeah. like to admit. Because um, I feel like they're, especially um, Sansa is suffering alone. Um, yeah. And she's probably going to be really right fucked up about that. Um, they need a counselor to help them hash that out. <laughs> they do. Um, I would like to talk about Sansa and everyone's favorite frenemy and mean girl, Cersei. Oh, man. <laughs> man. I think that Sansa and Cersei had, like, some of the best conversations, like, in the books, in the shows. I mean, like, they Cersei, do. like, say what you want about her. That girl has some good lines. Like, she, she does. really oh drops God. some wisdom, too. And Lena like, Hadley even as she's, drops them so yeah. perfectly. So many zingers. Yeah. <laughs> so many. Like, I was looking up, like, before we started doing this, like, Cersei quotes, and so many of people's, like, favorite quotes from the show are from Cersei. Because, yeah, a lot of her, like, she's, she's a little bit evil. evil. Like, she she's right a lot. Like, the one where she's like, love is poison. It's a sweet poison, but it'll kill you anyway. I'm like, oh, Cersei is so true. <laughs> what I th- Go ahead, sorry. What I think is just so um, compelling about that relationship is that it clearly, to me, is seemingly antagonistic, very frenemy-like. Um, but I think yes. that from Cersei's point of view, she's really doing her best to kind of, like, 
help Sansa in her own sick and twisted way. Um, I, every time yeah. she tells her anything, it's like, a, you need to know this for your own good, because I wish I had known this when I was in your shoes. Like, she sees a lot of herself you, in Sansa, or a lot of Sansa in herself. Oh, you know? absolutely. What do you think that, what do you think Cersei feels towards Sansa? Probably like, a little bit of jealousy, Sansa? probably a little bit of, like, um, mentorship. Like, I think she kind of feels responsible yeah. for mothering her, even mm-hmm. if it's, like, in ways that are actually really damaging to her, because it's not actually her own daughter. Um, mm-hmm. but I think she does when Sansa crosses her mind, it's like a, Oh, I feel f- sort of responsible for her. And I kind of feel like she's met, like me when I was younger. So I should give her all this advice, but she doesn't actually mother her the way she does like Marcella or something. Because as we know, mm-hmm. Cersei is a narcissist who only wants to protect people who are genetic copies of Cersei. <laughs> yeah. I also wonder if Cersei has a thing where she sees, like you said, she sees herself in Sansa, so she both loves and hates her at the same time. I think she resents her for her own weakness, because doesn't she kind of say, yes. like, if I had been born a man, you know, like, you know, part of her obsession with oh, her yeah. brother is almost wanting to not have been born a female, and, like, all of her loss, perceived losses in life are because she's a woman. And I also think yes. Cersei was probably always more powerful than... Sansa is like Cersei was always really close with Tyrion or not Tyrion with Jaime and always felt like his equal growing up where Sansa is not like that with her brothers like she does not feel like not that she feels less than them but she does not feel like but just different yeah she does not feel like them yeah I I also think just as a a quick sidebar something I was thinking about earlier is we just to compare like two like grown mother characters in the series who don't actually really interact too much but whereas we have Catelyn who's like I'm going to live the life you know the life of an ideal woman I'm you know resigned to it and this is my duty then we have Cersei who's like I'm going to live the life of an ideal woman and I hate it and I'm super mad about it and I'm really resentful because I should have been more a man it's, yeah, I, I think that contrast is really interesting. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think a lot of that comes from what their plights are as the ideal wife. And yeah. Catelyn feels a lot better about being someone's wife because her husband's actually nice to her. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that, that makes a big difference. It does. And that makes you wonder, like, what would life have been like for Cersei because I feel like we little, we get, like, inklings that, like, if Robert hadn't been a gigantic dick, then maybe she would be less of a bitch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe. Like, I think she probably would have been. Yeah, like, she, he calls out kind of another abuse. woman's name on their wedding night. Like, that is a bad start. I mean, I yeah. think... Right there. I think her power-hungriness... Uh, I mean, like, she gets more wrapped up in um, sort of madness as she loses power. And so if she had a husband who empowered her and who made her feel like an important human being, she wouldn't have to fight so hard and be so um, catastrophic to people around her. Um, Yeah. It's like her her personality is like a perfect storm and... She already, like, kind of had some meanness <laughs> and resentfulness in her, and in her environment just made her into what she is, um, whereas Catelyn's did not. She wasn't Mother Teresa to begin with. Like, let's not pretend no. that Cersei's a sweetheart. But, like, I think She's definitely that, not. No, but I think that, that she's gotten to this point because of what her situation has been. Um, 
And she would be so much worse, I think, if she hadn't had Jamie for as long as she had. You know, like, she kind of gets more terrible the longer Jamie's away from her, too. Yeah, I think that, you know, you see her trying to control her son. No, trying to control her husband, trying to control her son. And that's gotten her, you know, it's it's like a exercise in futility, you know? It's like the only control mm-hmm. she has is trying to manipulate men in her life. Um, I mean, like, what's so funny, yeah. I, the way you just phrased that, like, in the scene in, where she's wearing the battle corset during the um, Battle of Blackwater yeah. episode, um, she is so not empowered. I mean, she's, like, getting her little group of hens together to make them feel better. But she's like, I can't even seduce St- Stannis. I literally can do nothing more wine. Yeah. More yeah. wine. That's <laughs> the only answer. Which I get. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes the answer really is just wine. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of which, we never actually introduced what we're drinking tonight. Oh, as, no, we as didn't. Custom. Oh, no. Um, so I'm drinking right now some Red Diamond Merlot. Red Diamond. Ooh, Red Diamond's is my good. Shit. Red really Diamond's good. my shit. Like, it's always good. It's at the Trader Joe's. It's everywhere. You should drink it. That's, that's really good. We, we're on our second bottle. We shared our first Whoops. bottle, too. <laughs> so it wasn't just us. Um, Cantina Zaccagnini. It's a Multipacciano de Abruzzo, which means it's Italian. Yeah, that sounds fancy. <laughs> it's pretty good. Dry red. And now we're drinking Evodia. Which I think it's a Chilean which or is Spanish. Spanish. It's like a Malbec, a, yeah, probably. Malbec, like. Malbec. It's a Spanish red. It's pretty good. Can I highly recommend when you talk about really serious, heavy things like misogyny and patriarchy, you got to get your wine on. Sometimes you just need, like, too much wine. Sometimes you do need too much wine. <laughs> and that's what's happening right now. So if we, like, have a moment where our, our brain stops thinking and there's a long pause, that's why. That's what happened. One thing, one thing I'd like to talk to you about, that scene where Cersei and Sansa and all those women are sort of locked away... Um, yeah, that's, is, I was just thinking yeah. about that. What do you think today, about like, Cersei forcing, you know, Cer- Cersei committing suicide and making Sansa commit suicide with her? Like, what does that say about her relationship I, to I, Sansa or what? You know, like, what's that about? Wait, She's about to, like, drink a bunch of poisoned wine with all these ladies and just be I'm like, well, we're done. I think that Cersei, again, I think that's just, like, more proof for the fact that, like, Cersei sees, like, Sansa as, like, some weird version of herself. Like, I I don't know, like, future self, past self, I don't know. But it's like, if I'm gone, then Sansa can't also be gone. And if I'm unhappy, Sansa can't be happy. Which, I mean, Sansa's not, because she's in freaking King's Landing with crazy-ass Joffrey. So, Mm -hmm. she's not happy. But even, like, Cersei understands, like, my son is bad. He's a bad, bad man. And she even, like, seems like she feels bad for Sansa. Like, yeah, Joffrey can't be controlled, so you're going to have to, like, deal with it. But you'll love his kids. Well, that's the thing. I mean, (laughs) I I think what's unfortunate for Sansa is that Cersei thinks that Joffrey is just, is equally as bad as Robert was, which is just not true. Like, Robert loved, loved his whores, did not love his wife. He was not a good husband, but he was not a fucking crazy person like he wasn't sadistic he no was an idiot scary he was, he was just a selfish <laughs> bastard but he wasn't a sadist and a sociopath and yeah, yeah. joffrey's on like, like a, a different, different level, level of, of evil robert would like, not have stripped cersei down and had her beaten in court no like, no no never now did you, just did, Betsy? you know mm-hmm. Did, mm-hmm. i did did robert yes. <laughs> i was trying to hide it by talking through it but i did i, I did hiccup pointing that out Betsy. oh, oh drunk. 
Um, I mean, you know, Robert, <laughs> did he hit Cersei? Yeah, yeah he, he did. did. Like, like he's, not, wear he's not an angel. Of honor. And he's not an angel or even, like, a good person. No. But Cersei obviously does not understand the extent to which Joffrey is evil. Oh and my god, yeah. So, so it's, it's like, like she's, she's giving this advice, advice to Sansa, Sansa which is nice, but it's like, yeah, this is not super helpful when you're da- like when you're engaged to a sociopath. Speaking of Joffrey being evil, um, and particularly the scene in which he beats the prostitutes, let's talk yeah. about Shay because I feel like she is such yeah. a great female protagonist. Like, I don't know if it's I because prostitutes have to look after each other and like they are at the bottom of the barrel or something, so they've got to help yeah. each other, but like. I love Shay. She is such a great character, for, especially for Sansa, the support and help. Like, she's really looking out for her. Yeah. And almost and seemingly in spite of herself. Her. Like, she kind of doesn't want to be. She's like, I've got to be busy enough looking out for me. But in spite of herself, she's like, oh, crap. Okay. Go take care of yourself. Oh, yeah. crap. Okay. Let's burn your sheets. Like, yeah. She doesn't want to go. She doesn't want to stick her neck up for Sansa, but she finds herself doing it despite herself. Um, like she, it's awesome. like she can't help but be a good person. Like yeah. she ends up being a good person anyway. Yeah. Um, and this is like extremely different from the book, by the way, because in the book, um, Shay is not Sansa's hand handmaiden. Um, so, but I like she's working in like, like kitchen are, or something in the book. She's making fish pie. Yeah. <laughs> No, in the book, she ends up being this other character's handmaiden who's not around. I heard that fish pie joke. Don't think I didn't hear it. Uh-huh. Good. <laughs> I'm fish sorry. pie might be the best euphemism for lady bits, like ever. Um, it's it's good. certainly the most. It's one of the most graphic. I'm definitely not gonna say it's. My the most question graphic. is: Do lady bits smell like fish? And if so, do not, you just not bathe? Not if they're it. hygienic lady bits. <laughs> Yeah, you might want to wash. Like, prostitutes on King's Landing smell like fish. I I think they probably smell like... Also, do people on King's Landing, like, take baths? Probably not. I bet, like, Marianne is a pretty stinky area, because she's, like, dirty. Like, Arya probably (laughs) is. She doesn't care. Yeah, they don't give a shit. No one's going down there. If your vagina is your moneymaker, it probably smells like Summer's Eve. (laughs) I'm going to say that. (laughs) So, like, chemicals and douche? (laughs) Yes. It probably smells like... Like Gross. rain and flowers and chemicals. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Yeah, we just went there. Sorry, guys. Cheers, bitches. Cheers. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with you guys. What? Drink what? more wine. <laughs> what were we talking about? Um, we were talking about Shay. Prostitutes. I do want to revisit, yeah. though, the scene with the prostitutes, which Shay is not in. It's Roz and some other brunette girl. Yeah. Um, and the position that Roz is put in, and this poor other girl who gets her, her butt real beaten, um, when Joffrey does that. So Roz is an interesting position in the whorehouse in King's Landing. She kind of, like, starts out very green, needs to be trained in that horrible play with her ass scene. And then, like, a season later... She is now training, like, new girls also and kind of has, like, almost a, um, what's her last name? A Joan from Mad Men way about her. She's, like, being sassy and, like, know-it-all a little bit and is, like, telling her the ways of the world. It reminds yep. me of Joan and Peggy at the beginning of oh Mad God, Men. Yeah. <laughs> and also they're that. both busty redheads. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Damn. I'm also really excited for Mad Men to start, so there's that. Ooh, um gosh. 
and starts a week after Game of Thrones. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, but then the scene happens, and she's, like, obviously really uncomfortable, especially when he gives her that terrible sociopath scepter stick thing. Um, and she's, like, not going to do it, and Joffrey's, like, do it or it'll be you next kind of thing. Yeah. And it's just, like, what do you do in that position where you either, like, severely injure another woman who you might be really good friends with because someone tells you you have to like what else do you do or like and how do you like come to terms with having to abuse another woman that way for money you know like that's so much different than just selling your body and it's not just for money though because joffrey has a crossbow on both of them that's true so that's very true so even if she like screamed out or something, she would, there's no option. Yeah, like, dead, and, and it may, I mean, it may even, I don't know, like, maybe this is, like, super wishful thinking on my part, but I would like to think maybe she's like, hey, if I don't do this, he might kill both of us, mm-hmm. which is totally possible, but also, I mean, this is one of those ethical things where it's like, I always would like to think that I'd be a good person in a terrible situation, but who even knows what you're going to do in a situation like that? And I don't think, like, anyone would really blame Roz and be like, you're a no. terrible person. No, I mean, it's certainly not her fault that she is in that position at all, but, like, I don't know. I don't. I can't imagine, like, having to do that. And I'll, or, like... It, it, it. It must be a terrible, like, she must feel a lot of guilt about it. Because we we know, we see Roz has, she has morals and ethics because when that baby gets killed, she is, like, distraught. Like, completely distraught and messed up. She's not used to the way politics, you know, are in King's Landing. Like, she's from the North. Like, it's not like that up there. Um, so, I mean, she's, she isn't being extremely damaged by her move there. Yeah. Which, which is interesting. It's kind of parallel, like... It's like when you go to King's Landing where all the power is, then you get screwed over and fucked up really bad. Like, everyone who goes there, it's bad. The Iron Throne will cut you. You know, I was going to say, like, I think a lot of it's about, you know, that situation. Whether or not they're being directly threatened, but a lot of the women are competing with and posturing against each other because... Mm -hmm. And they're rivals because of how much danger they're in all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they can't afford to be each other's friends half the time. And, yeah, that's extremely true. And that's one of those things where I'm like, man, I'm so glad I live in America where I can, you know... (laughs) Actually, like, support other women and not actually be, like, physically harmed for it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I was I was nerding out a few days ago and was watching um, interviews with the cast that this, like, mm-hmm. I think she was from, like, Romanian or Bulgarian HBO. Like, the interviewer was mm-hmm. really poorly prepared and kept asking the same questions to every cast member. <laughs> it was really bad. Um, <laughs> but I kept watching them because I was like, oh, yeah, different people. I want to hear. And she kept asking this question of them, like, oh, do you think that we, there's a lot of magic in the show. Do you think we lack magic in the real world? That's like, well, yeah, we don't have dragons, you dumbass. Um, <laughs> everyone's, stupid everyone's just kind of confused by it. Like, oh, you know, life has magic moments. Like, what do you want me to say to that? Yeah. Um, but one thing she kept asking people and not very well was like, do you want to live in the world that we are in now or in this universe? And almost everyone who understood her was like, oh, this world now for sure. Like that world sucked. Like, and yeah, and like she yeah, she hello. emailed I, she emailed she interviewed that was a weird slip, um, Catelyn, Arya, Sansa, Brienne, and Egret. 
I'm not gonna remember all those actors' names, so I was gonna call them by their their. Uh, that, that's ex- their, totally fine. their character names, and the only one who actually had a remotely like feminist slant to her answer was um, was Brienne. Was hmm. what's her, whatever her name is, um, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, but I was, I was kind of hoping they'll be like, no, this world's terrible for women, and she's just like, no, this world's kind of evil to each other, and I'm like, all right, you're getting there, yeah. but. I feel like I just read some something nice that the actress who plays Catelyn said, but now I can't remember it, and this is an entirely irrelevant comment to make. I'm sorry. <laughs> the show and not interviews the actors do. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that tangent. Um, what else? I wanted something else. Oh, um, speaking of rivals, I wanted to talk about Cersei and Marjorie, which I think is going to yeah. get more intense. Looking into season three. Looking yeah. ahead. Yeah. Because they haven't really interacted much. But so far, and I, I think there might have been, like, a really pointed look or something in the scene where Joffrey decides to become betrothed to Marjorie. I think it's a very minor yeah. detail, but there's a certain sense, yeah. a strong sense that I have that there's a very frenemy kind of situation going on oh, there right absolutely. now. Yeah. Um, and Marjorie absolutely. says we she know, wants... We... Oh, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, well, there's that scene where Marjorie says she wants to be the queen, right? So she wants exactly. to be... She's very threatening to Cersei. Yeah, and she really... I, I think there's that sense of, like, these women who see that there's only one place for them. Mm-hmm. Well, there ha- yeah, there has to be... I mean, Cersei can only be queen regent for so long because Joffrey's going to grow up in a couple years, and she's going to be nothing. <laughs> she's going to be, like, the queen mother. She's Do already you- being pushed aside. Do you think Elizabeth yeah. and Kate feel the same way about each other? I'm talking about the British royals. Yes. <laughs> but Elizabeth is very Elizabeth old. Hates and I was like, Kate. Kate. What? Hates her. I, I have read in magazines um, that Prince Charles's wife and Kate are buddies and they get facials together. But cool. I don't think Prince Charles's wife is ever going to be the queen. Oh my gosh, BFF spa time. Um, do we think that Cersei has a little bit of the um Oh my gosh, the the evil queen like in Snow White is this like a little bit what's going on here? Where she's like someone newer and fairer is coming into my land, and I hate her. Do you think that Cersei is going to turn into a fourth dragon? Because that's what happens with 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 the queen oh Snow White, right? She doesn't <laughs> she's dragon with you. She's Maleficent. She's going to be another oh dragon, and they're all going to fight to the death. Oh man, I hope Drogon wins. There is a really excellent like. Someone on Reddit, I think it was on Reddit, or on one of the many crazy forums for Game of Thrones, talked about how um, there are certain storylines in the Game of Thrones world that are very much like Snow White, and that's that's definitely a thing where Cersei is the you know the queen, and, and someone's going to um, supplant her, and she's really afraid of it, and there's all these prophecies and stuff. So I'll have to find that. I'll, I think we have tweeted it before. On the Castle Thrones Twitter account, but I'll find if you want to know what it is, tweet at us and I'll send it to you because it's very interesting. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Mm. I like it. Uh, but yeah, definitely Marjorie and Cersei. Like, even though they've not had much interaction so far as of season two, are obviously going to be interacting a lot more in season three because now Marjorie is engaged to Joffrey, and I can't imagine that Cersei's going to take this well at all. No. <laughs> No, I think it's gonna because be- someone else who's smart and pretty is going to be in her area. She's not. Gonna there's going to be a Regina George moment where she's going to be like, "I like invented her." You know what I mean? She's yeah. Like, well, you know, she's aging out, right? So now she's the mother of the king, and if he's getting married, then she basically has no role as a woman that's powerful. She's just the mother. She's moved on, you know, from mother to crone. 
Yeah. And she's not going to be happy about that, I do not think. Um, please stop me if I'm spoiling. Um, but it also seems that Cersei has an opportunity to move on from that position. Like, people want her to get remarried. Is that... Yeah. That's definitely a thing. Um, it doesn't happen... Season 2, it, it's not really dealt with at all, but, I mean, it's kind of logical because she's not yeah, pregnant anymore. Yeah, there, there is more of a push for that coming up soon. I don't think that's a super spoiler because, like, nothing really happens. Yeah. yeah. It's not like... Um, yeah, it, it's okay. Um, just be thinking of it as the season... New season starts. Yeah, but she she's, like, not into it. She wants to stay... In, on what, as close to the throne as possible now. Why would Cersei ever want to get married again? Like, it was a terrible experience for her, and she loves Jamie. So, why would she want to? Like, there's literally no positive in it for her. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, and, you know, she hasn't had strong experiences with marriage. They haven't been good. Um, exactly. What other relationships have we not, have, have we not spoken about yet? So you know what I'm really excited um, to see come up? That I have no idea how it's going to happen. Is Catelyn and Talisa? Oh yeah, I'm really man. interested to see them interact next season. They only have like brief, like Rob's. Yeah, Rob's all like, "Hey, mom, this is my friend who is a girl," and Catelyn's like, "Mm-hmm." Well, as okay. far when season two ended, they were just getting married without Catelyn there. We haven't even seen that fallout happen in the show yet, have we? Yeah. yeah. Nope, we have not. But they, they did meet briefly, though, like, at camp before they, Oh, that's right, because she's, like... Boned down. <laughs> like, nah, Rob, you can't do that. Um, yeah, and he's like, don't tell me what to do, Mom. Yeah. Yeah. So they don't really have much of an interaction. And maybe this is a good lead-in to talk about how there are so many women in this series who don't really interact with other women at all. Like, I don't really feel like we can count Talisa being like, hey, Catelyn... No, is, like, like, really interacting with other women. She's just, like, on a battlefield with a bunch of dudes. As is Asha Greyjoy. As is Asha Greyjoy. Um, Wildling Tonks. It's just with a bunch of yep. dudes running around. Um, mm-hmm. Melisandre. Melisandre. Um, Egret. Egret. Lots of girls, just, like, in a sea of men. Playing Twitch on Snow. Got it. Okay. The, the little redhead in I always forget her name. Yeah, yeah. Name. yeah. I always thought it was pronounced differently. Uh, I like the way they pronounce it in the show because I was saying it real dumb before. Am I, I saying like, it right now? Egret. It's Egret. Yeah, it's Egret. I've been calling you. I thought it was Egret. Yeah, it's not. It's actually like the bird. Yeah, yeah. It spelled different. Yeah, yeah. But I, I find it interesting. And obviously, in all of these places, there must be other women around. It's just that I feel like there have to be them. other women nurses with Talisa. Um, there, well, there's the silent sisters, too. Those are the women that come and, like, deal with the corpses and, like, you know, make them into bones. I don't know what they do, but they, like, deliver bones to families and stuff. So they're around, but they literally do not talk. They are the silent sisters. <laughs> so I feel like there's a lot of women who are very isolated. Yes. Like, I'm still kind of stuck on Asha Yara Greyjoy. Being yeah. in this position where she's with men all the time, she is their captain and their leader. Yeah. And then when they get to port and they do what they do to people, the men all go off and rape and pillage, and she probably pillages some too because why the hell not? But she's not going to yeah. rape men. Like, what does she do as the leader? Like, what position does that put her in? Like, her gender has to come into play at some point. Yeah. And what is that like? Like, does she feel? Does she feel conflict? I would. I would like to think that she would feel at least a little conflicted about it, or like. Is she just, is she one of those, like, is Asha the girl that hangs out with dudes and is like, I hate girls? I kind of. 
in our modern role, would she be that character? I kind of think maybe. that maybe... I don't even know if she would think to say, I hate girls. I don't think she has any empathy for girls. No. I think what's interesting is that there are a lot of characters who have lost mothers very young. Both Cersei and um, Catelyn lost their mothers when they were very, very young. Asha Greater yes. lost her mother when she was very young. Daenerys... No, Asha's mother, there. she's alive. She's, she's right. Just, like, super, super sick. Well, right. I, I think the thing that. is that they're handed off to men very early in life, right? So yeah. it, they're passed from father to husband, right? So, like, the role yes. of women in their lives is kind of secondary because the role of men is really their pillar. Yeah. Now, Asha's mom, she's alive, but she's very sick, though. And so she kind of just, like, hangs out on one of the islands that, like, all the dudes aren't on. So, like, I know because she talks about, like, she's like, Theon, have you even gone to see, like, our mom, like, at all? But but we have no information about what Asha and her mother's relationship is like. And, and I definitely get the feeling that because all the sons are gone, that Balon is like, you're my son now, daughter. Let's do this. And so she's just hanging out with him all the time. So it, it's not like her mom's dead, but I don't, I don't get the sense that there's a lot of interaction there. So kind of like she might as well be. <laughs> For all intents and purposes. Well, yeah. I mean, I think I think we could probably put her in the category of absent mothers, if nothing absent else. Absent mother, yes. Absolutely. Um, which is always this kind of, like, weird trope. Like, all the Disney princesses have absent mothers. Absent mother is, like, a huge... It's a huge thing. Like, even in, like, video games and stuff, like, that's that happens. So um, why is that? I think that, I mean, obviously, to sort of be in a heroic position, there has to be some sort of huge childhood adversity, right? That's kind of like a really common trope in both genders. But I think there's something kind of interesting about depriving a girl of a mother and watching the role she takes on from there. And they all are very different. Like Daenerys, Catelyn, Cersei um, are all sort of still feminine despite the fact of not having mothers and probably being raised amongst men, but that probably because that was the expectation of them. Yeah. Um, you know, they weren't, they weren't treated as equals in that family dynamic by anyone. Yeah. Um, whereas like, you know, Sansa may not be treated as an equal among her brothers, but at least her mother treats her as equally valuable because they're both women, you know? Um, I do, I think it's really interesting that you're talking about absent mother. Um, Daenerys' father also obviously is absent. The only other character... But her older brother is serving as an older male mentor figure. So I kind of feel like... Yeah. So the only other character I'm thinking of that has, like, absent father is Sweet Robin, who's horrible. Oh, yeah. The worst. And there's, like, this weird thing with, like... And crazy other mother. Or people who are bastards, right? So they're... They don't well, know who their, Snow. yeah, people who don't know their fathers are. Like, everyone on the wall is, like, fa- you know, sort of fatherless or motherless, and they're all Something, fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, all the men who don't have a parent seem to have And I mean, Jon Snow issues. is that classic Cinderella story where it's, like, he doesn't have a mother and his stepmother's really mean to him. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> poor Jon. That's true. He does have a complex, but not to the extent, like, yeah. Not I don't know. It's a little different than everyone else, but I I do think it's interesting, like the concept of like the missing parent in Game of Thrones and like what that means for the child, like how that shapes them. Because like 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 I said, like Daenerys Daenerys is interesting because somehow like even though she does not have parents, they're shaping her, and she has a terrible older brother. Like she still ends up being good, but like the missing parent really, I mean, it messes you up. Like I think I'll I think a lot of it has to do with how. 
the memory of the missing parent is dealt with too. Like Daenerys has two missing parents, but you have a sense that Daenerys has a very like strong attachment to them. She like identifies with who they were. She, especially like her Rhaegar too. Like everyone that Daenerys lost was a very young person who she probably doesn't remember directly. She has some sort of strong memory of who they were, yeah. even if she didn't know them even personally. Like and I think a system of values built yeah. around who that person yeah. was. Absolutely. But like Cersei, on the other hand, was raised, her mother died during birth to Tyrion, so she was obviously a teeny, teeny child when that happened. Mm-hmm. And the way that Tymon responded to it was to like, you know, be really upset, totally shut down. You know, she wasn't probably raised with the same constant mention of her lost mother the way that Daenerys was for her lost parents, you know? Although, can we say, though, like, for, I mean, Daenerys' lost parents, I feel like her conception of them is, like, definitely a fiction, because... Oh, absolutely. Her dad was kind of evil, and her mom was, like, seemed, like, kind of browbeaten, but it almost doesn't matter, because her conception of them is something totally different, so she's okay. I mean, it's like that Harry Potter thing. (laughs) Sorry, I'm supposed to talk about Harry Potter. But, like, Harry Potter grows up with an idea, with a fictional ideal of his parents, sort yeah. of, because they're just absent, and his his present parents are terrible. And then so he's like, like, "They're awesome and perfect." And, and then, then for and- three or so years, all he hears is how amazing and faultless and martyr-like his parents were, and so he fictionalizes yeah. them further, and like very, very late, sort of realizes that like maybe his dad was kind of flawed. Um, yeah. Because he wasn't the nicest name. Anyway, this is not the point. <laughs> but, is it, yeah, this is a, But it's still it's interesting. So I'm not going to I think that having you. that fictional parent is an important part of the way you grow up. And it's also like being able to fictionalize your parents as people when you're young is important yeah. to growing up to being an yeah. empathetic and kind human yeah, being. Yeah, you create a system of values around who you imagine that person to be. So mm-hmm. if you don't have some imagined system of values to look up to, then you turn into Cersei or whatever, yeah. who's just like, uh, you know, every man for himself, and the only people you can watch out for are yourself, rather than having a role model who you, you know, who you see as a yeah. successful way to be a person, right? Yeah. Right. Um, so, what else? Oh, we were talking about the lone women. I kind of feel like we talked about most, kind of most of them. Um, Marjorie Tyrell's kind of on... I'm sure there's women around her, but we don't ever really see her interact with yeah, women very much. I think much. we'll probably see more as the Tyrells come to yeah. King's Landing. For yeah. sure. Egret, um, um, we don't see her interact with any other women, even though we know there's definitely other yeah. spear wives around and about. Mm-hmm. Um, they come up in the books. Like, she's... When they come up on Jon Snow in the books, there's, like, another spear wife there. So, I guess she has some, like, lady bros uh, beyond the wall. Um, Asha is, like, alone... With the Du Bois. Well, that's actually not true in the books, though, because in the books there's Mira Reed, who's a girl who I'm looking forward to seeing in season three because she's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, um, there were a couple other things that I wanted to talk about. Um, first, we missed the enemies section. section. So maybe yeah, let's talk about enemies. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was we sort of started talking about it when, with Danny trying to stop the Kalasari from raping everyone. Yes. <laughs> and she feels that Mary Mazdor, is that her name? Yes, the, that's her name. Um, you know, should be grateful to her and should do her a favor um, because she stopped her from being raped the one time she saw it happen. 
And then, of course, we find out at the end of season one that Mary Mazda had already been raped four times that day. And so who, who, she doesn't give a shit that yeah, Danny saved her that despite, one time. Despite Danny's good intentions, she really doesn't help very much at all. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, screws her over, and they're enemies. Yeah. Um, I think that it's actually really, I don't know, that's an interesting, like, social thing, though, where, like, here's Danny, who's, like, literally, like, the palest, like, whitest person ever. She has white hair. Silver white hair. skin. And is like, let me save you, brown person. Aren't you so grateful that I saved you? And she's like, uh, no, not really. Like, you don't know what the shit you're talking about. Well, I think so, I, Daenerys is kind of overly idealistic about her ability to help women in general. Or she help is. people, but in to general, change anyone's yes. attitude is, like, a pretty tough call. Uh, no, to be fair, she's, like, 14, so, you know. And that's interesting to think of compared to Sansa, because we're all like, oh, Sansa's so young, she's dumb, it's okay. But it's like, they're, like, the same age, and Daenerys is like, I lead an army, or I'll try to. I lead them through this desert, and everyone's starving. Um, but she's, like, trying to, like, be a leader, which is really interesting. But we're obviously just to understand that, like, something is special about Daenerys, though. She has, like, literal magic Daenerys also grew up in her. With a lot more strife than Sa- Sansa was very sheltered yes. and spoiled up until she very, like very sheltered. And also, and Daenerys Daenerys just kind of gr- her power is being a mother, right? She's the mother to dragons, so like her, yeah. her power is this very fem. It's a unique feminine power compared to most of the women who have power, which is behaving like men in a man's world. Her power mm-hmm. is so special to like, to that. You know, giving birth, and then also it's sort of magical and beyond reality for most people. So, but it's also interesting for her because she, like, while she's like hyper feminine, she's also not able to play out like the truly feminine. Like, she gives birth, but it's a monster, and she doesn't actually have a real baby, she has dragon babies. So, she is like the ultimate woman, but not like she's a magic separate other thing <laughs> that's not like regular women. Yeah. Um, but Daenerys is also interesting because she was, like, groomed from a child to be royalty. Like, she's tall. She's she like, always taught like, to leave. Exactly. So, like, that's why I don't know that it's... I guess it's not really fair to compare her and Sansa. Because Sansa... I mean, Sansa was, like, groomed to be, like, a lady. Mm-hmm. But yeah, not, not to be, to be queen. Be. So, it's not really fair to, you know, be yeah, like, that's Sansa, like comparing us so and Chelsea Clinton. Chelsea Clinton's going to accomplish more than me. <laughs> yeah. She's that's so what I keep she, telling myself yeah. to make me not feel bad about my life. <laughs> Especially when I saw Chelsea Clinton's like badass apartment. I saw like something recently. Her apartment's awesome. I'm like, I hate you. Uh, Chelsea Clinton. I live in. I live in the dirt. Girl, (laughs) I respect her. Yeah. Um. Anyway, (laughs) we're talking about enemies and how obviously Mary Monster is enemies with Daenerys. We actually had a hard time thinking of. So we we were really into the frenemy category of Game of Thrones, but I actually think that. Women who are strictly enemies are harder to find because they're usually somehow tied to each other socially and because of the rules of it. Like, even, you know, Sansa and Cersei, like, there's this weird relationship where they're, they can't actually just hate each other. They have to pretend to be nice to each other. Exactly. Like, I feel like women fight much less openly. Like, everything they do is much more strategic and, like, subtle. So I wonder if that's why, like, most of them fall more into the frenemy category than the straight up, like, I hate you. Because there's so many dudes in the show. Because women don't really really fight that way. You know? Like, women are not... Women are more often, and I I myself fall into this, choose passive aggression rather than actual aggression. Because that's how we're socialized to express. Exactly. 
And I think it's the fucker. same it's that same socialization in the Game of Thrones world where dudes are like, we will fight right now. Like, we hate each other. Like, I'm thinking of that scene from the Battle of Blackwater where, like, Bronn and the Hound are, like, in that brothel. They're like, let's, we're going to fight because you looked at me wrong and I hate you. Like, that would never happen among the women in the show. All they would they do can't... is be like, that's a great skirt. Where'd you get it? Yeah. <laughs> the most fucking disgusting skirt I've ever seen. Yeah, that's how it. we fight. <laughs> um... But I think I don't think women I don't think the women can afford to fight like the dudes can like no because they're they're not value their their value is in being in a certain way being ladylike so they can't afford to like have a fist fight out in the middle of public yeah because it's not how like they that's not their what shit. they're like yeah um so they must be a lot more subtle in their fighting therefore it comes across as a frenemy even though the some of them are probably like straight up actual enemies but mm-hmm. they. Have the veneer of nice on to, yeah. you know. One relationship seem... I did definitely want to talk about before we end is um, Catelyn and Liza. Yes. Another sister relationship. Yeah. Um, Even though we don't, we don't get, like, a really good view. We really don't, but we don't see them interact at all in season two. All their interaction that we've seen so far is in season one. Um, there's a lot Catelyn of, is... like, tension and power struggle over, like, my house, my rules, or my prisoner, my rules. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and, it's and they haven't seen each other in like years and years. Like this whole—can we just remember this? This entire book series started out like all the trouble started because Liza sends Catelyn a letter, being like, "Someone killed my husband. This is what's up." And remember, so Catelyn- and remember also that that letter was written in a secret language the two of them made up yeah. their children. I have a sister who is very close in age to me, and her and I don't have a secret language. We were never that close. Yeah, I'm a twin, and I don't have a secret language. Like, so man. obviously they are super close to each other, or yeah. weren't super close, but then they go all this time, because they're both, you know, doing their duty as women. Catelyn marries Ned, and Liza has to marry this, like, super old guy, John Aaron, who is dead at the beginning of the series. Yeah. Um, and it's been years and years since they've seen each other. And when they go back, when they go to the Erie, or when Catelyn goes to the Erie to see Liza, like, she does not get the warm welcome that she expects at all. Like, no. stuff has changed between them. Yeah. And Liza's got a little cuckoo. I don't, this might be a spoiler, so shut me up if it is. But there's also a lot of, I think this is definitely a spoiler, actually. Yeah, it's a spoiler. I know okay. what you're going to say, and that's, that's dealt with later. No, no. It's something coming up. But I'm, ex- I'm interested and yeah, there, we'll we'll just say that we will most likely get to see um, some more information about Catelyn and Liza's interactions with each other, and their it's a bit more backstory for them about their relationship. Some more backstory for them. Good um, to know. But there's obviously some tension going on there when we do see them. I'm on page so. like 45 of book three, Yay. so I'm ready to get the full story. I feel like this is a good like that. Like it, this is a reminder that like. Catelyn and Liza are sisters because like, I feel like that plot point hasn't come up in so long yeah. in season yeah. two. It's like, yeah, that's a thing. Remember, this is what started all the entire events of the show and the books. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to like glance through our notes one more time to see if there's any other big stuff. I feel like we've like really hit a lot of it. Um, I know. I think I- we've pretty pretty covered well the we, we went right through this list. lady relationships we, I think we that solved the issues of feminism we the solved them we They're got it done. all done everyone's a feminist bring now. on season three book three Ooh. so we can talk I, about I that. do think it's interesting like when I was while we do have a lot of content to talk about for like it, women's relationships with each other in this series I 
I don't know, like, at the same time, for a series as huge as it is, there's actually not as much, like, interpersonal, just women talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe it has to do with the, ba- the fact that the book was written by a man, but I think that, yeah. you know, one thing I think the show does well that the book doesn't necessarily is really, like, bring out the strength of the female characters, and yes. I think in some ways it sort of gives them, an e- like, more of an advantage, because some of them are really a lot more annoying in the book, I find. Oh, my God. Um, Sansa is so much more likable in the show. Yeah. Like, so much more likable. Yeah. Um, so a, lot of, a lot of them are, really. So, I, I mean, I know that George R. R. Martin has a lot, a lot of input, input in the show, so I, I'm... Yeah. I, I think that... I don't think that he has, like, negative views of women. I, yeah, I know, I know that... The, he writes incredibly strong women. I don't know... Especially for fantasy series. But it's a very like, brutal world, right? So It is. Like, and, 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 you know, that has that has gotten a lot of criticism, like, the whole concept of why do you have to make it in a brutal world? Like, can't you make it in, like, not a super shitty world for women? Which is a valid criticism. Yeah. Um, I, I think but... that what he's doing serves an important purpose. I know we talked about that before. Um, yeah. What I do think is interesting, you know, you're going to have to remind me of the name of it, that, that like, test that you can run any movie or TV The Bechtel test. The, the, what is it? The Bechtel test? The Bechtel test. Bechtel. So just, the Bechtel test is if, in a movie... Um, two women talk to each other for, like, any amount of time about not a man. <laughs> oh. And if any woman does that, like, any two women talk about anything that's not a man, I think for, like, I, I don't know if there's a time period, but anyway, it, it passes the Bechdel test. Yeah. And wow. you would be shocked at how many movies do not pass the Bechdel test at it's, all. It's wow. incredible. It's, it's and, upsetting. And Game of Thrones certainly passes that test of flying colors, but I, w- I would like to see that test sort of raised the bar a little bit and not just say women talk to their about something besides men, but women actually have realistic, supportive relationships with each other and not just shown Meaningful, in competition with each like, other. Exactly, non-antagonistic. Like women shown like as allies. Yes, yeah. It's a I, much more rare thing. And it's, it's, it's present, but it's still rarer than I'd like in Game of Thrones. And, and if someone, like... I'm a, I'm a huge fantasy fan, and I, I've read a lot of stuff, but honestly, a lot of the stuff I've read has been, like, more traditional fantasy, so there's mm-hmm. not only not, not a lot of women, but if there are women, it's definitely not passing the Bechdel test a lot of times. So if any of you listening to this have recommendations for fantasy books to read that are great towards women, mm-hmm. I'd love to hear it. Yeah, um, we really TV would. shows or anything. Yeah. Um, I know, I mean, well, like... One thing I've been, like, really impressed with, this is not at all fantasy. I've been watching a lot of Parks and Recreation recently, and that show is, like, the best feminist show. Leslie and Anne's friendship is a perfect example. It's beautiful. That is how I relate to my good female friends. Yeah. Like, I see it, and I'm like, yes, this is a fantastic, accurate portrayal of women on TV. It makes me so happy. I think there's there's not a, a... feminist character on TV that is more of a hero to me than Leslie Nope. Yeah. Thank you, Amy Poehler. I love you. But can then. someone make um, <laughs> can someone make fantasy Leslie Nope? What? I know. Fail. Oh, it's so good. You, there's only you so much it. TV I can get into and right now it's girls and the new girl. That's yeah, I like girl new girl. Shows. New girl's cute, but Parks and Rec, Parks and Rec yeah. the first season was a little weaker than the rest of it. Yeah. People who've tried it and stopped because the first season isn't quite as good, but it's, keep going. It's so it is good. so good. It's so good. Like I can't like Tim and I just looked at each other and we're watching it and we're like, this is the best. This is like the best show. All right. Like I can't like nothing can top it. It's fantastic. I can use some new like Hulu Netflix action. Yeah. I'm um, if you if after like you know analyzing feminist things and getting sad about life and you need a little <laughs> feminist boost. Watch Parks and Recreation. Okay, I do love Thirty Rocks. 
So if I love yeah. 30 Rock, I'll love Parks and Rec, right? So, so I guess we've kind of ended actually, we've ended up coming like back around to the very beginning. Again. So this is the Amy Poehler podcast. We love, <laughs> Amy, Poehler. We love Amy Poehler all the time. <laughs> and Tina Fey. They're both and great. Tina Fey. They're I, so great. Yeah, um, amazing. So, yeah, I think strong now, ladies in we, TV. We love you all. We we love it, and we love strong ladies in books and strong ladies in real life. And so, I guess with that, we're gonna sign out. Um, so, if you want to find me on social medias, you can find me at Jennifer Sheik on Twitter. You can find me at that Betsy Lady. Um, I don't have a Twitter, but I am starting a nonprofit that I'd love you all to visit our website, which is um, drivechangenyc.org. And it's a food truck in New York City that is um, a transitional program for incarcerated youth. So look us up. It's great. That's awesome. Yay. I, I I forgot like a, of a promotional thing for myself that's not nearly as like awesome as like a nonprofit, but I'm also well, obviously, I'm on Cast of Thrones, and we're going to be starting back. I don't know when this is going to air, so maybe we'll have already had an episode. Who even knows? Um, but the other podcast I'm on is uh, Drunks and Dragons, which is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. And it's not nearly as nerdy as you would... I mean, it's pretty nerdy. Let's be real. It is. Um, but it's also super funny, because it's me and my friends drinking and acting like we're adventurers and fighting things. You should listen to it. <laughs> Well, now I don't want to listen. <laughs> it's great. That sounds awesome. Um, I'm I, such a geek girl. I'm not doing anything cool, but I write haikus on Twitter. So you should yeah, you should it. follow Betsy and follow They're her good. haikus. They're really good. real good. We love them. Oh, thanks. Um, so with that, we'll talk to you next time on Why Women in Westeros. Bye, guys. Bye.